Well, good morning again. We're on? Okay, good, good. Welcome. If you're visiting with us, special blessing on you. We love visitors. I uh, love our people that come along and if you're in the community or part of it, whether or not uh, you've been here before, it's all good. Blessings on you. So I want to, I chose a text from uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Um, I'm calling it Keeping Heart because the, the, earlier in the chapter, Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. See, God had done extraordinary miracles in the lives of these people. They were saved out of, out of a horrendous lifestyle. Corinth actually means a sin, to sin. And uh, these people, no, no matter how bad the sin, God is able, amen? No matter how bad we think the sin is, God is able to redeem and to uh, take that sin away when we call upon him. We, we call on his name. That is his heart. That is God's heart. And so Paul is describing this ministry in verse 1 of the, of the fourth chapter of 2 Corinthians. And I picked up on this thought that I'm going to read. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. So Paul is describing it out of his own salvation. It was God that showed up in Saul's life later to become Paul, that Paul being a religious man, but yet did not know God. In fact, he was fighting against God's work and God's church. But it was the Holy Spirit and Jesus that showed up on the road to Damascus and a transformation took place. So Paul understands mercy. Paul understands grace. And so I pick up on this thought as we read down, and he talked about in verse 4 of this chapter, the God of this world. How many know who that is? You know who it is. Satan, that's the enemy. The God of this world has been given uh, liberty to move and roam around, and he is, his goal is to destroy God's work. But guess what? God said, I, I'm going to destroy the works of the devil. But Jesus is on the move today, and through the Holy Spirit, we don't have to be afraid that the devil has to be afraid of the church. Because we have more of us than there are of them. And so we outweigh, we out, God is more powerful than the devil. And so just be encouraged today, no matter what you're facing, the devil has all kinds of schemes and tactics to bring us to discouragement. And so I thought about, how does, he, how does he get us to stop doing what we're doing? It's the very thing, if we lose heart. How many have had a, had a project you started, you kind of gave up on it some time ago? Maybe, maybe a couple of you? Gonna understand. You kind of lost interest. Maybe it's too hard. It's just not working out. You're gonna put it aside. But you know what? The Lord can help us pick up again our passion and restore. And so the ministry has a way of ministry sometimes can, can beat us up. Ministry sometimes can get us to feel overwhelmed. But guess what? We know where our strength is. We have to keep going back to him, don't we? We have to keep putting ourselves on the charge. So this week we, we tried out the golf cart that we bought last summer, which had dead batteries. We had to charge it every night, right? A couple times. And this week we charged it once. Most of the week we did just fine, got around good, plenty of power. 
Then we go, uh-oh, it's starting to lose. It's, okay, we'll put it in a charger. Then we're good to go. Aren't we often like that as batteries? Sometimes sometime we need some time out. Jesus often would slip away. I love this slip away into the wilderness. How many like the wilderness? None of you. Two of you, three of you. Well, when I say wilderness, that's not a bad thing. When I say wilderness, it's a place of remote. A place where you maybe need to get alone and be quiet and soak up and soak in the presence of God. What keeps your heart, what keeps you motivated? What keeps your passion burning? What is that, that fuel, what should fuel us? It needs to be the Lord himself. Even though we may have success, how many know that we can't ride on success? The Lord himself is your success, knowing him. So I'm getting into these scriptures. I'm kind of picking up on what, the, what Paul is saying. What is his emphasis? Verse 5, we don't preach ourselves. Verse 5, the text, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. People don't want to hear about it. Your stuff. Really? Oh, he made me do it to a degree. The church is a place where we want to hear about God's stuff. What is God doing? What is God? Who is God? What is, the, what is his heartbeat? What is his direction? What, what, are our, what is our response? What is our place in the body of Christ? And so Paul said, we don't preach ourselves. What Paul emphasized was over and over, Jesus Christ and him crucified. People have to make a decision when they hear that. When people hear that Jesus died for them and was resurrected, they have to make a decision. What are they going to do with it? You mean they died for me? Joanna was describing to me uh, her mission trip to Cambodia. How many know Cambodia is a, a Buddhist? That's their main religion. And she talked about how they would go from house to house. They used the pattern of acts. They would go from house to house and just knock on doors. And they would ask questions. Would you like, we would like to talk to you about Jesus. Are you interested? Basically, we're asking them the permission to come in. Some would say yes. Some would say no. But most, what I got from it, it was most of them were saying, that's a, West, that's a Western, or, you know, Western religion. Jesus is a Western religion. We have our religion here. And so it was hard ground. Hard ground. Yet, the determination and the perseverance and prayer, people, people need to know. Missionaries have a hard job. Oftentimes, they'll go into hard places. They, they've, got to win, they've got to win people over. They've got to earn the trust. They've got to learn how to speak their language. They've got to learn how, what the culture is. And then they begin to reflect Jesus within them and pray and Trust the Lord will work in people's hearts. You know what that is? It's verse 7. Verse 7 of the text. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. It is absolutely nothing that we can do, but God does it through you. He said the power of the gospel is the treasure. The power of Jesus. You and I know that we are earthen. We are subject. How many know when you stub your toe on a piece of furniture, it hurts? How many have done that, lady? Oh, good. Well, not good, but thanks for being honest. You know, 
I just want to make sure you're with me, that, that you're a real person. Hey, what, if you're a real person, good, that's okay. You can be human. But guess what? Jesus wants to transform our humanity into more of his likeness. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we're saying, yes, I want to be more like you. Help me. I'm not there yet. He saves us by, our, by his grace. We, we are saved when we say, Lord, come into my heart. I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself, but we're saved that way. But now the whole process of becoming what he wants us to be like. So when the ministry, uh, what Paul is describing here, it's not for my glory. It's not for me. It's not for my namesake. But it's for his namesake. So number one, God helps us keep heart. I'm going to read, the, read on here. Verses 8. We'll just take a couple of verses at a time so we don't get all overwhelmed. How many know, if you're like me, I read a verse or two and then I got to... What did I just read? Oh, you got that problem too? That's okay. We'll do it together. We are afflicted in every way. Verse 8. But not crushed. Notice I say, we are afflicted in every way. But we're not crushed. We're perplexed but not despairing. How many of you have been perplexed lately? What in the world does the word mean? You're confused. How many oftentimes do you get confused in life circumstances? Every day. We're perplexed. In spite of setbacks, persecuted, verse 9, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Well, what in the world are you doing, Paul? Why are you, why are you killing yourself in the ministry? Paul wouldn't look at it that way. He already died to himself. Jesus already died. He died to himself before he got to the cross. Remember the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus already was wrestling with the idea, but Jesus died to himself. And if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. What is he saying? Well, there is a cross. There is a certain amount of weight to bear. Because not everyone likes Christians. Not everyone likes Jesus. It's okay. That doesn't stop us, because we find some that are willing to say yes to Jesus. Our ministry... It's not a bed of roses. How many know that for sure? Monday morning's tomorrow, right? Monday morning. Monday morning. For construction workers, we would we adopted this theme. It's Monday morning. Anything can happen on Monday morning. People don't want to get out of bed. All kinds of stuff. Getting yourself going. In spite of our setbacks, Paul is saying it's worth it. In spite of the hardships, we're not going to dwell on that. In the book of Acts, they actually seem to thrive on setback. If you read the book of Acts, and I encourage you to read the book of Acts, because that is the church in action. That is the early church and the model they set, even when they were persecuted, when they were put in jail, some of them were destroyed, did not keep them from... In fact, the matter is, they worked all the harder. 
In fact, it says they were spread, they spread out. Isn't it just like Satan? Oh, we got them now. We got them on the run. The, the, the Christians are spreading all, all. Look at them being scattered. Guess what happened? The gospel got preached to very more, many places because they spread out. Oh, Satan's like, oh, it backfired. God is bigger, better, has more than Satan. In spite of our setbacks, in spite of me, I had a pastor friend that would say that. In spite of me, God is still more than me. In spite of my weakness, in spite of my shortcomings, I know it is the Lord. Here's a promise for you Psalm 34, verses 18 and 19. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And saves those who are crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Hang on to that promise. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. How many have had a few aches and pains? Well, even you guys. You're young. Quite young. Young adults love them. Middle adults, older adults, senior adults, kids. Hey, question, senior adults. You remember when you were running and it didn't hurt? You could just run. Now it hurts. I told somebody, I gotta run like this. Pushing things. But you still go. Just keep, keep going. Just think how many things the Lord has kept us from. The afflictions of the righteous. Do you mean to tell me because I became a Christian I'm not exempt from affliction? Oh, yeah. You're not exempt. But the Lord said, I'll be with you, and He is our healer, and He is our provider, and He is our sustainer. If I'm distracted, I'm watching a groundhog outside. Don't look, don't look. It's out. He, he lives here. He's a Christian. Hopefully he is. We count everything. You know, I wanted you to think about what is it that makes you really pumped up? They give you a meatball? No, I don't know. Rhubarb pie was on the menu last week, and I was just like, everything was there. It's like, oh, ooh, rhubarb. No. I'm just trying to be funny. Because I think sometimes I, I get too serious. There's a time to be serious, a time not to be so serious. When the Lord is speaking through this word, you know what? It's okay. The fact of the matter, I had a friend. Another pastor. I have quite a few pastor friends. Imagine that. Nathan. Pastors need other, pastors need friends, right? Their congregation are their friends. 
But there's something about having another friend, and he's a pastor too, and he understands. You know, I'm not saying pastors is the only thing, but just I happen to have another pastor friend. And he said, how's it going over there? Well, I, this is when we were in Palisade, and I think, well, this has gone wrong, this has happened, this is, oh, good, oh, good. That means you're doing something. You're upsetting the enemy. Wow, that was a revelation. So good, so bring it on. Right? Not necessarily, don't want bad things. I don't, want, I don't like trials. I don't like affliction. I don't like sad stories. But there's something beneath. There's a current. There's a river that's running. There's a source that's beyond you and I. There's one who's been where you and I have been. He has walked this earth. He has felt the pain. He knows your heart. That's why the psalmist Lord is near to the broken heart. The Lord himself was broken heart. He knows that he died. Not only from, not just from the physical, but he, he died because of the brokenness. He gave his life so that you and I could have life. So no matter what the setback, just, just for an ordinary day, I, I wanted you to take you to another verse or two in the chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. I wanted you to give you, a, if you're just kind of wondering, if, is this, uh, is it, oh, am I okay? Am I the only one that has trials? Look at these verses. And working with, verse 1, chapter 6, and working together with him, that's a good thing. Not trying to do things on your own, but working together with God. We also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time I listened to you, and on the day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no cause for the offense or in anything in order that the ministry be not discredited, but in everything commending ourselves as servants of God in as much endurance and afflictions and hardships and distresses. He just goes on and on and on. He says, beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labor, sleepless, hunger, purity, knowledge, patience. And you're going like, what in the world is the matter with the pastor today? I'm just trying to help us understand. There is a, there is a battle that takes place in the, in, the, in the spirit that you and I have. We, we know about, we understand it. We can't always put our finger on it, but here's these verses that give us encouragement. How many can relate to a person that's going through trial more than a person that says, I don't have any trials? Well, really? That's almost unheard of. That, that is unheard of. I'd rather follow one. I'd rather listen to somebody that has been through the mill. In other words, they, they can't relate to pain. Our shepherd relates to pain. Our shepherd relates to brokenness. Our shepherd understands your heart. And even when it's hard to verbalize how you feel or why you feel the way you feel, he can take it and begin to bring into your life a hope so that you don't lose heart. And to keep you up. You know what the Bible has said? that will help us in the last days? Forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together. 
we need to assemble because we, that's where we begin to encourage each other in faith and the Word of God and the help of the Holy Spirit and to worship together. One more passage, and then we'll kind of move on here, but it's uh, over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, a little further in. We read also some interesting verses of Paul's life and his ministry. Verse 23, are, are they servants of Christ? I more so in far more labors and far more imprisonments, beaten times. But he, don't, he can't even count how many times. Beaten times without number, often in danger of death, Five times I received from the Jews 39. Do your math. I don't know what. Five times. It's almost 200, isn't it? Probably more than that. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times. You know that Paul had an experience at one time. This refers to he he was stoned. He was was actually dead. And God raised him up. And that was where he was caught up into paradise. (laughs) He came back just pumped, all fire. It's worth it all. Heaven is worth it all. Heaven is worth it all. And so he, he talked to all these things, and I, and I, I, I you know, I'm thinking, pow. And labor, and many sleepless nights. You mean he possibly was concerned about things, or possibly he was just working or traveling. He's been on shipwrecks, on and on, all these things. And then verse 28 brings it all down to their, all, all these are external, external. But then he goes on to talk about the concern he has for the church. What is he talking about? He's talking about all the places that he has visited and preached the gospel. He's praying for them, sending back letters to encourage them now to keep on. If anything that happens when a missionary goes into a place and he plants the seed, he needs people to disciple. He needs people to water and to encourage. Bless them they fall away. So the work is tremendous. The work is beyond even our ability. And he talks about the daily pressure, yet he realized that he wasn't the builder of the church. Paul wasn't the builder of the church. Jesus is the builder of the church. We are just vessels. And a part of it. Oh, the Lord, the Lord lifts. I am not the builder of this church. Jesus is the builder of it. He's a good builder. He understands people more than I could ever understand. And to be able to keep a heart. One of my personal goals is when I, when I come to the end, I want to be able to hear the Lord say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
It's about pleasing, being pleasing to the Lord. And so the grace that you and I were saved by His grace, Ephesians talks about it, we were, we were saved by His grace through faith. What does that mean? Well, when you have faith in what Jesus has done for you on the cross, you couldn't save yourself. It's a gift He's handing it to you, you and I, not as a result, we cannot work hard enough that no one should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared. God has a work for all of us to do in his, in his kingdom. It's all about his kingdom, his work, his, his heaven above that awaits that God wants his heaven to be Packed out. Even in Revelation, it talks about a multitude that we could not number. Wow. Every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's part of the kingdom. And even now, Jesus talked about his kingdom coming. He even prayed in the Lord's Prayer talking about the Lord kingdom come. Your kingdom come. What we need in our land today is God's kingdom to come. What we need in our homes, in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces is for his kingdom to come. And when you walk with Jesus, you bring the kingdom within you, into your situation. That's good news. And people begin to recognize there's something different because of who Jesus is in you. And you begin to make things better by the power of His Spirit. I love people that have walked through the fire, yet they've come out better, not bitter, but better. That's the grace of God. I believe in the grace of God that saves us. The same grace that saves us keeps us through thick and thin, through the ups and downs, through may whatever it comes. God is giving you grace to even carry out the things that you can do today by the grace of God. And so we, we begin to think about what is it that advances the kingdom of God? Oftentimes it takes pain, people that are going to the fire, so to speak, and then they say, wow, how can they keep up? How can they be strong? How can they keep their joy? But it's not just them, it's the Lord in them. And when we stop and realize how much we've been given, how much he's done for us, we don't have to try to, try to somehow prove to anyone that we're anybody. It's just a simple Acknowledging that the Lord is the Lord of all. Keeping heart is a day-by-day -day thing. Point three. How many remember what you ate for dinner yesterday? Oh, pretty good. That's pretty good. Six, seven. Well, now you got to. You got to. Well, some people call dinner noon lunch. When I grew up, it was dinner was noon lunch. And then I learned that the dinner could be supper, which I always called supper five or six or whatever you ate. 
So whatever. That's so I'm just I'm messing with you now. Day by day, I, re, I you know I maybe read the Bible yesterday, and maybe recall I read something about that, but I need to read it today again. My mom used to have a bread baking day, Linda and Larry. You probably remember that. Uh, it was a certain day of the week when the kids were little. I don't know if it was Thursday, one of those days. We'd come home from school and we knew that was a day of baking bread. We, we couldn't wait to get home. So we'd smell that fresh bread. God has fresh bread for you. Why is it fresh? Because he's fresh. All, every morning. Lamentations. Of all, of all places in the Old Testament, a little book called Lamentations. And it was a mournful book. And all of that mourning and all that stuff, they were agonizing and travailing and they were away from God and his hope comes in. But his mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faith. God has fresh bread for you today. He has something he, he wants to share with you. Jesus demonstrated as he walked on the earth, he would often slip away into the wilderness or he'd slip into a quiet place. It's one of his favorite places was in the garden. One of the favorite places he would go on a mountain or a hill and he would spend time. Even when he was ministering and the crowd were getting to him and he was trying to minister to, he'd minister to them, but then he'd slip away and be refreshed. Whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, I think you still need quiet time. I believe there's fresh bread from his word today. We liken it to even fresh oil. Fresh oil that the Holy Spirit has the source he understands your circumstance right now. He understands it more than anyone in this room, more than anyone on this community, and more than anyone in, in your family. He understands your thoughts afar off. He is actually there sometime when you don't maybe even realize that he is working on your behalf. He is ministering into your heart. He's pouring into you the, the strength. He's helping you. He's, he's encouraging you each day one day at a time. How would he know that? Well, when Jesus was preaching on the Sermon of the Mount, he came to a place in chapter 6 of Matthew. And he began to reflect on the things that people, you know, observe. And, you know, you observe the lilies. You look, I don't like to watch birds. None of you. Okay. I was too quick. How many observe things when you're driving down the road? I hope so. Got to watch out for the little fawn. All this stuff that God put here is blessings. How do you, how do you know when you're going to lose in heart? How do you know when you're down? Well, you know, but how do you, what are the signs? When you stop realizing what you have. When you start getting discouraged to where you're not even, you feel like you're, you, you don't have anything. That's a tough place to be. 
or you don't have anything to give anymore. Like you're just to a place of emptiness. And to be real, all of us probably have been there to a certain degree. Where you don't feel like you, you have it anymore. Well, God says, you, you're, still, you're still breathing. I still have a plan for your life. It's not over yet. There's still a, one more day. If he gives you one more day, we'll take that one day. And don't got, get overwhelmed with, you know, I, I, I'm that way. I can get overwhelmed. Oh, my goodness, all this stuff is happening. And da 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 And I'm going to get overwhelmed. But if I take a little by little, one day at a time. Jesus only, he only promises one day at a time. And he says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 34, I love this verse because it just, it clinches it. Don't be anxious for tomorrow. For tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Oh, that, that is solid truth. Each day has an, in other words, I don't have to try to figure out. Trouble comes because we live in a fallen world. People will let you down because we live in a fallen world. And Jesus absolutely understands the conditions of hearts. Jesus absolutely understands. And he's equipping you to keep plowing. Jesus gave this, this, this illustration. Whoever puts his hands to plow, if you look back, what did he say? You're not fit. What is he saying? When, when, when you started out with the Lord, he wants you to hang on. And we're going to go places. And we're going to keep plowing. We're going to keep breaking ground. Hosea talked about the fallow ground. Remember that Old Testament story? He says, break it up. What is he talking about? He's talking about a revival. He's talking about God showing up in the land again. Coming to visit the people. And preparing the soil to I believe God is doing great things in our generation. It's on the rise. We saw more young people at camp. I've, I've saw more young people, teenagers, young adults, kids. They're just places. They're just, they're just exploding. That's a good thing. God is at work in the minister, in the ministering to the young people, ministering to the, the moms and the dads. And Jesus is telling us today. It is not over yet. Oh, you see the earth turning. You see the way the world, the way the things are going. We're not crazy. It's not, it's, it's, we, get, we can get down. We can lose hope if we let it. But there is a God that says to us, take one day at a time. The Old Testament, they were, they were given this stuff called manna. And you know what manna means? It means what is it? It was literally a, a, like a wafer would. Well, and, 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 and by the morning they would go out and, and begin to collect. And they were only to collect a daily portion. Isn't that interesting? If they hoarded it, 
it would grow foul and breed worms and stink. It was not fresh. But isn't it interesting how God every day would have fresh matter? And I believe there is fresh manna when you seek Him every day. There's fresh manna right here. The Word of God. 